Hello friends, I'm Ashish Darbari, founder and CEO of Axomize, and to our new listeners, welcome. And to our old ones, welcome back. And I'm proud to say that today I have um, Bob Smith, uh, Executive Director at ESD Alliance in-house. Hello, Bob. How are you? Hey, Ashish. I'm great. How are you doing? Hey, so good to see you, man. Thank you very much for joining us today for a chat. I'm very much looking forward to finding out what is ESD Alliance up to. But you know what, Bob, before we get into the details of ESD, I want to know a bit more about you. Um, what is your what is your personal journey? Where were you born and how did you get into science, semiconductors and, and the like? What is your backstory? Ah, okay. <laughs> well, actually, I was born in Berkeley, California. So I have literally lived in, in the Bay Area pretty much my whole life. Nice. Um, except for my stand at UC Davis, which is out in the Central Valley. But um, yeah, that's a great question. I, I was a, uh, I was one of these kids that was always building things. Um, I mean, at a very young age, I just and mostly electronics, things like that. Right, um, right, right. So you were basically so, naturally a DIY person from a very yeah, really, <laughs> yeah, just very curious. And uh, I was lucky that my my father encouraged that. He'd buy me kits and stuff. Sure, and, uh, sure. It. Um, and did he, you, I think he always wanted me to be a doctor, but by the time I got old enough, I said, no way, you know, I'm going to do something in electronics. So, so you said you went to UC Davis and is that where you did your undergraduate education? I, yeah, I did see. my undergrad there and was uh, fortunate enough to be hired by Hewlett Packard right out of school. Sure. I uh, went to HP. They put me through Stanford to get my master's. That was a great program. Um, so, so you, you could do that while you were working there and uh, learned learned a lot about what I didn't know. Going out of uh, the theory of being the theory of electronics that you learn in college and then you go work for a company that's that's making stuff that they have to manufacture and sell and support. Yeah. You learn very quickly that there's a whole lot more to it than that gets you know, just the circuit yeah, theory that gets yeah. taught in the university. So yeah. so you work with HP. For how many years then before? Uh, I was with HP for about about five years. Five years. Four to, yeah. For, actually, no, I take that back. About four years. Four yeah. years, I see. So how did you transition into ESD Alliance uh, and at what point did you join? Uh, so after, <laughs> that's a great question. So after HP, um, I was interviewing at one of the semiconductor companies. Right. Um, American Microsystems. They were in Santa Clara. They had, this was in a day when everybody had their own fabs. And I, I went in there to interview for an engineering job and I got um, kind of hijacked by, as it turned out later to be their VP of marketing and sales, who brought me to his office and said, I look at your background, you know, you, you need to be in business. You need to be in marketing. And I kind of said, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I really didn't, you know, just had no clue. And he said, don't sure. worry, I'll teach you. So um, that was where I made a really, if I look back on it, a huge pivot. Um, it still leveraged my technical background sure. in a big way, mm -hmm. but I learned the whole business side from this guy. So yeah. which year was this, Bob? When was this? Uh, this would have been 70, probably late 79. Right, right. Yeah, so I'd been out of school 
you know, four years. I've been at HP four years. I, I literally went from getting my diploma to working in the lab at HP with under, in under two weeks, I think. Wow. Sometimes I regret that, that I didn't take some time off. But, mm-hmm. uh, but Yeah. Who wants to take time off when you're getting exciting opportunities, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so tell us about what exactly is the ESD Alliance, and I'm not sure everybody knows about ESD Alliance. Sure. Um, so, and what is your role in ESD Alliance? I mean, I know you have the title of executive director, right? Uh, but are you right. the top man in the show? Are you running everything in ESD Alliance? Um, so, well, I'm the point. I'm the point person. I, I so can maybe it help if I just give some a very sure. quick history. Sure. So and. Back way back in 1989, uh, Cadence Mentor and Synopsis, um, emerging big EDA companies got got together and decided that they should have an industry association, and mm-hmm. they formed a group called EDAC, Correct. which was the Electronic Design Automation Consortium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, significant two things significantly happened out of that. One is EDAC became a co-sponsor of the Design Automation Conference. DAC, yeah. Um, they also started the Phil Kaufman Award, which is a prestigious award in our industry mm-hmm. that we give to every year to somebody who's made, you know, big lasting contributions. Mm-hmm. And they also started the market statistics service, which I can talk about later, but sure. that's our report that tracks uh, where the industry is Trends, going. Yeah, very valuable. Yeah. Yeah. So um, now fast forward to a market that's has evolved and changed. Um and in 2015, I, I got a call asking if I'd be interested in getting, you know, involved in trying to, in, in a sense, kind of restructure and reinvigorate this group. Mm. Um, and so I did. And there were, frankly, just uh, three of us, you know, me and two other people in this group. So very small organization. And one thing that, that struck me and the reason that we are now called the Electronic System Design Alliance was that. Well, the, the world's not about just about EDA anymore. Look right. at what's going on in IP. Mm-hmm. And, oh, look, ARM is one of our members. Well, you know, I talked to Simon and he would tell me, well, we're not an EDA company. We're an IP company. <laughs> yes. And so in looking at what was going on, um, I, sometimes I talk about it as we've left what I call the chip-centric world and we're now in the system-centric world. So, uh, and, I, and I think, uh, you know, back in the day, the whole objective of the industry in the early days was tape out, tape out, tape out, tape out. You have to get to tape out. And then, okay, now start another project. It's really not the same today. I think engineering groups are much more focused on product, product, product. That's right. Make sure it all works. Anyway, we changed the name to Electronic System Design Alliance to really um, open it up, you know, so we could get more people interested and involved because we had a, the perception was that we were only about EDA. And clearly, um, we're still working on that, but I think most people understand if you look at our membership, we're pretty broad. Um, And then, kind of in parallel with making that change, um, I started talking to Semi. They had approached, we were actually at one point renting some office space from them, and they started talking to me. Mm -hmm. And they started explaining that their mission, they were ahead of all their mission from being the, uh, basically a trade group for the semiconductor manufacturing and materials industry, Right. that they were um, really looking out the whole electronic product chain from the beginning, design all the way through manufacturing and distribution. And um, 
just started saying, well, maybe we should cooperate. You know, we know design is important, um, but we don't have anybody here that really understands it or is involved in it. And that led probably to two years almost of discussion that ended up in us becoming part of SEMI, mm -hmm. essentially being acquired. Sure. So what I find quite interesting is the way you described this. So right in 89, I mean, EDA was quite important, the main uh, driver of the market. And that was when you had the Intels and the AMDs and the IBMs dominating the market and not so much an IP-driven um, uh, ecosystem, right. not the partner ecosystem that ARM developed and, uh, or I would say developed around ARM. Um, mm -hmm. And I would even add other IP companies like Imagination Technologies and Mar Marvel. And what you're saying is slowly e the industry was moving from an EDA focus to a chip focus to a system focus, which is about covering all sorts of industries. Because mm -hmm. it's not just the EDA or a IP company or even an OEM, because you also have lots of services companies that are linked into this ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. It's, yeah. it's all a combined market force now that is working in a, in hopefully in a, in a, in a synchronized, harmonious way to, to facilitate them, which is what I think ESD Alliance is trying to do, is, um, is to bring absolutely. in competing yeah. companies. Yeah. This is so fascinating. Yeah, so EDA, um, look, EDA is tremendously important, and, and but a really interesting kind of um, visual statistic, if one looks at our MSS newsletter, Market Statistics Service, anybody who download that from our website, mm -hmm. we track, we have one chart that tracks over the last, I think it goes back 20 years, the various segments like front-end design, uh, back-end back place and route, yeah. IP. Yeah. IP goes from almost zero 20 years ago to it is um, in the last latest report. I think it is the leading category right. in terms of revenue. So it, it shows you, wow, there's been a complete shift from hand designing circuits, you know, at the cell at the cell level to mm -hmm. actually grabbing these big functional blocks. That's right. That's right. And there's a whole trend in the industry moving to high level languages and more emphasis on high level language design. Uh, for even bigger IP blocks. Um, right. So right. let me actually bring in a question that I was thinking of asking with you. So, you know, the RISC V development yes. is quite significant in the last five years. It's even getting more pace than, uh, in fact, Aximize recently joined RISC V as well. And it's, it's a very interesting model. It's not a first of its kind uh, because Linux has clearly been our precursor. Yep. But for yep. semiconductor industry, it's, it's really the first of its kind to encourage open source. How right. do you think it's going to exercise pressures, positive or negative, on the work that ESD Alliance is trying to do? I only see positive pressures, actually. I don't see any negative pressures, yeah. but you might be able to comment more on how do you see these? Because there's quite a big ecosystem of RISC-V members in, in the there foundation. I, I'll be honest, I, I actually see it as a big positive. Um, I think that, um, and it's somewhat of a controversial topic, but the whole topic, I think, of open source is, is very interesting. Now, the reality is, though, um, that there's no such thing as a free lunch. <laughs> and if, you know, let's go, you know, just, and you, you mentioned Linux, which is something I like to mention a lot, is it, it it, it is very exciting, mm -hmm. but look at look at the sizes of the businesses that have 
capitalize on that. And Correct. having the open source is great, but you need the infrastructure. Absolutely. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of uh, work going into that with um, on the risk five side. In mm -hmm. fact, that's probably, you know, and people say, Oh, uh, or will ask me, well, arms, one of your members, you know, what do they think? You know, arm, look how long it's taken. Arm. I mean, arm is a juggernaut arm is a huge leader and look how long it's taken for them to build that ecosystem and that infrastructure. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a, um, you know, it's not something that you can, you know, magically make happen in a year or two. It mm -hmm. takes time. And especially in semiconductors, there's so much inherent risk, um, especially the more complex and the bigger the project mm -hmm. that goes. And so, you know, in, one thing we can say, I think, about most engineers is they have a, they have a lot of um, inertia. Mm -hmm. There's oh, yeah. usually once you get used to designing a way some way or yeah. doing something, uh, it's you know it's hard it's hard to you know move them to change because Correct. they know what works and Correct. once you go beyond the dotted line of the boundary yeah you know no there's a lot of there's a lot of potential risks there um, but I do think I do think for for us risk five is a is a good thing because it potentially is broadening the design ecosystem it's potentially going to bring more designs to market mm -hmm. uh, in fact I think. I th another way to look at it is um, how does it help the existing vendors? Well, I think if it creates more, you know, more ideas, more new designs, well, that means all the vendors that supply mm -hmm. the design industry benefit because, mm -hmm. you know, it, at some point you're going to need, if you're doing you know, test chips at some older node, maybe you can get by with kind of the tools that come with Risk five But mm -hmm. if you're going to be doing a, you know, leading edge system, mm -hmm. Uh, you are going to need the best tools to do yeah. that. And I think the, the, the pressures of verification are enormous. And I was just yes. uh, talking to Harry Foster uh, towards the end of last year, and he mentioned in the Wilson Research Report that the processor verification um, status is 5 to 1 verification to design headcount. And if you look at some of the other reports in his, uh, other findings in his report, which is 68% of the ASIC projects are failing in their first attempt, and the same number is actually mm. running late, running behind schedule. Wow. And, and yeah. if you look, and you, it, it, it goes back to what you just said, it's the inertia in the engineers not being able to adapt as fast as we collectively need to. And going back to your observation on ARM and how long it has taken the ARM company and its ecosystem to adapt and settle down to the best practices of ID yeah. design. I see in RISC-5 there is tremendous growth and tremendous opportunities. And I was talking to Calista Redmond at the beginning of the year, and I asked her, what challenges do you see? And it's, it's a very interesting perspective she brought in, and she didn't even mention any significant challenge, and all of it was opportunities. And it, it is quite nice to actually see that, but I can already begin to see that verification would become a big deal, um, you know, if RISC-V ecosystem needs to thrive and grow. At, at the at the pace at which it, we all want it to grow. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So. It, yeah, I, I completely agree, and and I would agree with um, without even knowing that it makes complete sense. Uh, Harry, you know, Harry Foster saying that five verification engineers to designers for processor. Uh, yeah, actually, I mean it's it's <laughs> just huge, huge. It's really an, uh, verification is an unbounded problem, actually. 
Yeah, yeah. and uh, I think the more I, because, you know, we focus on formal verification and I tend to look at everything from a very logical point of view because that's what happens yeah. if you if you do requirements-oriented verification for 20 years. For a lot of things that I see, you see them as very simple and common sense-oriented. And I also come across the real human beings in designers and verification engineers. And you sometimes see, it's obvious to me, it's obvious to them, and they can appreciate, they're empathetic to this change, but they mm-hmm. need time. They need, they need to sleep over it. They need to do it a few times before they can make that change happen, which is all natural and, and, and positive, to be honest. So how many... Can I just, just yeah, yeah, interject? Yeah. Just yes. More, because we're kind of talking about scales. Yeah. The other one area that I would like to see our alliance get more involved in is... Um, software embedded yes um, yes absolutely if if we think i just think about a smartphone and okay there's billions of transistors in there but think about all the stuff that orchestrate you know all the software yeah that has to orchestrate all yes. that activity to absolutely. make it into a usable product absolutely. so my this is a complete back of the envelope is it probably for every chip designer i'll bet there are at least 10 software developers that is quite true I would say probably yeah. more. So yeah. that's another part yeah. of what I consider the ecosystem, but not an area because of our past as being more of a really being an EDA organization that then kind of evolved into IP. To me, that would seem like the next logical area where I'd like to see people get involved because we all are all really in the design ecosystem. Mm-hmm. It's just we're working on different parts of the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> Bob, how. How many members do you have currently in the ESD Alliance? Is it we have um, just under forty. I think it's thirty-eight, thirty-nine. And you've been seeing a rapid growth in companies joining the. Well, alliance. we've definitely seen um, over the last two years. Yes, it's definitely um, grown. I will say that being part of Semi, mm. um, which we joined Semi, we became part of Semi in two thousand eight, the summer of two thousand eighteen. Right. We've always been an international organization, but we've never really, with three people mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, not a you know, not a huge budget. All of our uh, most of our activity was in North America, with the exception of uh, the date show in Europe. We, we are still a sponsor of that, mm-hmm. and uh, DVCon. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have attended that uh, the Europe DVCon as well as the one here. But with Semi now, we have access to their global platform. So we've been able to participate in the Semicon shows in China, uh, Mm -hmm. Taiwan, Japan, and Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've also been able to talk to more people there. In fact, we just recently had a member, a new company join us, uh, EDA company based in uh, Italy. Right. um, One based in Canada. And actually, we have uh, two or three in China now. So... um, we still have a lot of work to do to kind of build the local kind of ground, you know, uh, grassroots following in these so areas. What, Good news is it's growing. So, you know, when Fight Foundation existed in the U.S. and registered in North America, um, political landscape was changing, policies were changing, and they had to relocate the uh, head, headquarters in Switzerland. So it's the Fight International um, uh, and it was quite clear why they were doing it. They justified it. Do you believe at some point the same pressures could actually affect the ESD alliance as to who 
can actually become a member depending on what is the origin of the country? Do you have even requirements such as that to say we can't actually welcome member companies from certain countries because rules and policies are changing? Have you've never been caught into that crossfire yet? Uh, no, I have been confronting that question just recently. And I, I really like... Um, and so I'm not um, an official semi-spokesman, but I, I, you know, I kind of went to the execs there to, to kind of get their their view because semi is truly global. They have members from all over the world, right. and they're um, trying to think how to paraphrase this. Their their position is they're not trying to pick winners. They're not trying to you know create you know leverage somebody yep. over another and, and may the best region and best company win as long as it's a level playing field and it's fair and it doesn't involve, mm-hmm. um, you know, thing, things that are not good for business, like, you know, theft or yeah, sure. yeah. copying. So beyond that, you know, they're for raising the global semiconductor industry on a global basis and, you know, let the best compete and let the best, uh, you know, let whoever is going to be the best with the expertise, mm-hmm. let them do that as mm-hmm. long as it's fair. So and to me, mm-hmm. that makes good sense. Yeah. So, I have another question for you. So this is related to me trying to understand um, what exactly ESD Alliance is trying to achieve through its member companies. So, for example, if you look at Accelera, they are pioneering new standards, different mm-hmm. member companies working, and then standard gets formed and, and gets distributed, and the rest of the industry follows these, whether it's language standards or safety or security how are you making that change? How are you bringing along members? And what is the actual uh, product or outcome that comes out of this engagement in the ESD Alliance? Sure. Um, well, I have a great example. <laughs> sure. Which I'll use. So, one, one of, so a question that sometimes I get asked is, well, you know, what does a trade association do? And more importantly, why should I care? Yeah, yeah. You know, why would I want to be part of this? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I point out to them is we, um, among other things that we do, we offer a basically we're a forum where member companies who are quite often competitors and competing, you know, for market share and mind share and all that can come together and say, we have a problem in the industry or we have an issue and it would be better to address this um, if we could address it as a group. So being a nonprofit trade group, um, we can offer the protection for companies to get together and have these discussions. Um, obviously, they have to be held in a certain way, but to talk about, okay, we have this issue, what can we do about it as a group and not have to worry about um, uh, collusion right, or right. antitrust or anything like that. Um, I'll briefly mention one area and then I want to mention another one would be in here in the U.S. export policy and law. Yeah. It's a big concern for everybody in the industry. And, you know, you just read the news in the last year and, uh, you know, the entity lists and supply chains, mm-hmm. you know, it, a lot of A, confusion and B, a lot of concern mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So we have a group, uh, committee that helps with that. And it's also now because we're part of SEMI, we're, that committee also works with SEMI's policy office in Washington, D.C. Um, but another one that I think is a little more tangible is we have a joint development uh, working right now on a new protocol that will be, be used for um, 
preventing software piracy. Oh, yeah. So um, long story short is um, EDA software is very expensive. And there's other industries Mm -hmm. like mechanical design and Mm -hmm. all these analytical software tools. Um, It turns out that the licensing mechanism is really out of out of date and especially in a world of virtual servers and machines. Mm-hmm. And so this group of uh, three of our biggest members, you know, we started hosting discussions mm-hmm. and they looked around and said, well, there, we don't see any of the commercial developers developing. They, they're not working on this. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should do something. Mm-hmm. So long story short, it took us a year and a half, two years to actually get all the legal agreements put together. But this, this group, which is, um, we have actually have a press release came out on this this summer. It's um, Cadence Mentor and Synopsis. Of course, Mentor is now Siemens EDA. So yeah, I should sure. say that. Yeah, yeah. Siemens EDA. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they uh, each have representatives. We have a joint development team developing a, we call it the server certification protocol. Mm-hmm. It's basically going to be a recipe for how you can actually unique, just like you can identify a person by their thumbprint, mm-hmm. it will allow you to, a uh, very clever way to identify machines well beyond host ID, Mac ID, and all that. Right. Yeah. That actually then semi, that will become a semi standard. That's one of the, another benefit we're getting from being part of semi is that they have a very uh, robust standards, uh, part of the business. I think they currently manage almost 1500 different standards mm-hmm. in the semiconductor industry. I'm, I'm proud to say um, I met with their team just about a week ago, and this is the first uh, standard in the design area that SEMI will have. And assuming we get there, there's more hard work to be done, but the team is on track. Um, all the big EDA companies want to use this new mechanism in their licensing scheme. Um, so that's an example of something very tangible. Very tangible, very useful. But actually, the very first thing that you said, and I was almost thinking of United Nations in that sense, is you know you're bringing uh-huh. conflict resolution and making sure equal opportunity, companies get a chance to talk to each other, right. level playing field. Um, that is what was playing up in my mind uh, when you were okay. <laughs> talking about. So all of these are actually very interesting value propositions, and I, I'm not sure I was aware about all of these myself. Uh, before mm-hmm. before today. So thank you very much for sharing. So you presumably also do events every year. I'm certainly aware that um, events from ESD Alliance happen. So are you planning events in 2021 this year? Virtual yeah. events or? Yeah, oh, we are. Yeah, it's. It, let's be honest. I think for everyone, last year was a tough year and um, a number of our uh, events just, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't do them. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it looks like this year is going to be, this is just my gut take right now. We're going to see more and more of hybrid events mm-hmm. um, where there's a live portion, but there's also a virtual portion. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. of course, uh, well, that, I don't have a crystal ball. Nobody does. Sure. But yeah, well, nobody seems like a, yeah. uh, um, it seems like maybe a, you know, a good compromise. But in terms of events, we're doing a virtual event uh, next next month in February called oh, wow, the okay. Technology Unites Global Summit. It's mm-hmm. actually being um, organized and managed by uh, our semi-Europe team, mm-hmm. but it is for folks all over the world. Uh, ESDA will have a virtual booth there. 
Excellent. And we'll have in that booth a uh, basically a bunch of information about you know who we are, what we do, an intro video, and then we're doing a hosted session, uh, a one-hour panel discussion that's being um, it'll be pre-recorded in about two weeks from now. But um, nice. We've got some very interesting lineup of different um, people, all from our group, that you know different angles on the industry and looking forward. Uh, we will be. Uh, uh, well, we're a co-sponsor of the date show. We're not actually exhibiting there, but you know we'll be watching, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's coming up um, pretty shortly as well as, as a virtual show. Uh, this summer we have Semicon West and DAC. Um, yes. We're co-locating in San Francisco. I yeah, I think that's um, we're really excited about that. It's it's um, you know each each has their own separate market, and that's great. But I think it kind of underscores the fact that we all are part of this bigger. Uh, semiconductor industry and i sure hope it's live um obviously a contingency i think would be that it might be hybrid but um we're hoping for the best that it could be a live show it's it's a, the one especially for our community it's it's kind of the one event per year where a lot of people get together they network you see people you haven't seen for mm-hmm. a year sure well, um, fingers we will crossed. also go ahead <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> yeah fingers crossed really <laughs> Um, we also, uh, unfortunately had to postpone our Kaufman award for, uh, for 2020 simply because we knew we couldn't have the award dinner. That's a big part of it. And so we've rolled all that into 20, uh, 21. And the way the process works is we wouldn't announce the winner until later in the, the fall of 2021. And then we'd have the dinner in early 2022. That um, might work out fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, however, not so much an event, but I'll add that we're about to roll out uh, an announcement about an, a new program that will recognize um, it will recognize people that have made uh, great contributions to our industry who have who have passed, who have died, and um, never received the Kaufman Award, you know, while they were alive. And so we're we're going to promote those folks via um, some announcements and web page and so forth. Wow. So expect that, that that will be out uh, in about a week, I believe, the press release on that. So Sounds we like want it. to keep the, Kauf- yeah. the Phil Kaufman Award is, is something very strongly associated with our group. It is it is a very prestigious um, award. It's jointly awarded by um, the SD Alliance and the uh, uh, IEEE CETA. I had the I had the privilege to speak to one such awardee, Lucio Alanza, <laughs> last year. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he was yeah. one of our guests last year. So it Got looks it. like you'll be very, very busy this year. Lots of very different activities and also very valuable. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. I should also add that it's highly likely, of course, um, highly likely that we'll um, hope we can be back at Semicon Taiwan, which is usually in the fall. And hopefully okay. we'll be over that. And that's been a very good event, event for us. A lot of interest in design there. Well, if one country is very safe, it is Taiwan, <laughs> and I think it yeah. to stay safe. So yeah. th- that that sounds very impressive. Um, tell me one thing, you know, Bob. Um, we I often ask uh, my my you know esteemed guest every time I speak to them to give me some tips for a lot of the fresh graduates and new hires who listen to the podcast and find a way to get to know people. But today, I want to actually ask you a different question. Do you have 
um, any number of tips uh, to give to companies who might want to actually participate in the EST Alliance and what is it they can do? Um, anything that might come to you, um, young companies, you know, not the big companies that are already actively driving the Alliance, um, but you know the, the ecosystem has got lots of small and medium enterprise companies. Absolutely. Uh, what? How can they actually make a difference? How can they benefit? How can they contribute to the ESD alliance? What would be your take on that? Well, I'm going to start with just you just made me think of two words. Yeah. <laughs> Get involved. Right. Right. Um, right. And and or, so um, an organization like ours is you uh, you will get out of it what you put into it and more than what you put into it. So it's, um, so it, it and I, and I've, I've had this discussion with some companies that are like, well, you know, my boss said I should look at this and, you know, but what's in it for us. And I don't see the ROI and I don't see the value. And I, I always try to turn it around and say, well, we're, we're strength in numbers. We're representing an industry. You want to be part of something bigger. And the SD Alliance is a way that you can, easily network with your peers, get access to people that you wouldn't ordinarily have to. I, I mentioned earlier our CEO Outlook event, or maybe I didn't mention it. But no, no, we, we, we didn't talk about that. Yeah, please, please share. Um, yeah, my um, the CEO Outlook is an annual event we do. Uh, now, we had to do it virtually last year, but we're, we invite all our members to come in. We usually have it around a, an informal dinner, and then we invite the CEOs of our, mainly our board members, uh, to do a panel discussion and we have it hosted, but beauty of it is they're all there for the dinner. They're all there for the cocktail hour. And so it allows, um, and I've seen this happen, you know, you company has just started up and you want to go, you know, meet one of the CEOs that's driving a multi-billion dollar company. There you are, you're all in the same room. Everybody's very approachable. So yeah. this, this networking aspect I think is really, really important. And particularly for the smaller companies, I would say, You'll get a lot of data. You'll get a lot of, um, you'll be able to network. You'll be able to meet people, make new connections, but you can also help and get involved and get on. We have different committees that work on various things. Mm -hmm. It's just a great way to be part of the industry. And it really, um, truly does open up, um, new avenues, um, to the point where, um, frankly, our industry, like many others, um, acquisitions are, um, fairly common, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I think a lot of them come from companies that have gotten to know each other, probably some through even through our organization. So uh, I'd really say it, it's it's getting involved. And, and, you know, and obviously you have to see the value there. But I will say a lot of the small companies, just the things like we do that, um, you know, we're not we're not lawyers and we can't uh, let's say with export policy, we can't tell you, well, you have, you know, here's exactly what to do. We'll never do that. But what we'll do is help steer people and we'll let them talk to people that can say, well, here's what you should look into to make the best decision for your company. That that's been huge for us because it is, it's a, it's a really tricky area. It's mm -hmm. hard to know sometimes. Mm -hmm. Nice. Very nice. Very, very useful nuggets you've given me today. I'm sure a lot of the people who are listening to this would say, we didn't know about ESD Alliance in this way or that way. So very valuable. Thank you very much for your time, Bob, today. Uh, I think it's nearly 36 minutes, so um, 
we can wrap up now. <laughs> All right. Well, thank no, thank you. This is uh, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak to you, and it's great to be able to uh, see you again. As you reminded me in the beginning. Yeah, I um, know. It's, it's, it's time flies by. I remember sitting with yeah. you in a dinner in 2016, and I was thinking one day we'll get a chance to to have a chat like this. And here I am now running Axomize and running this podcast. And thank you very much. The pleasure is all mine, Bob. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Thank you. So, friends, I hope you liked today's chat. Do let me know um, at info at axomize.com. Leave your comments in the YouTube. And let's stay in touch. Thank you very much. Bye.